Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. Today, we're happy to welcome you to Radu and Andre, founders of Seedblink, one of Europe's upcoming platforms enabling investors to easily syndicate and participate in deals. Radu has 30-year-long experience founding and developing companies and have exited to companies like Microsoft, Naspers and Fitbit. Andre comes from 20 years in banking, but with the insights and ambition to build new experiences and solutions for the financial world. And what better place to do that than by democratizing access to VC. Want to be on top of who the best up and coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know. Radu and Andre, welcome to the show. It's great having you here. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Amazing times to be around. Good morning from Bucharest. Thank you for having us. Guys, before we dive into everything, I just want to hear your background and your story and, and what really got you to found Seedlink. I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I'm excited to start new ventures all the time. So I started 37 companies as a founder or co-founder uh, in my life. Six uh, amazing successes, you know, companies sold to Microsoft, Francisco Partners and so on. Ten companies that we didn't really lose all the money and all the rest kind of amazing experiences. Of course, I've, I've started investing myself and uh, tried to raise a fund, failed VC, I, I, I can say. Then I, together with uh, Andre, Jonas and Carmen, you know, all the co-founders, I realized that actually it's not VC what I want to do, but this amazing venture, uh, which is Sibling. Jumping to my history, I used to be a banker for 20 years. I just considered that for the second part of my life, I, I should do something totally different. And uh, the tech sector was is not covered by the bankers, not only here in the region, but uh, elsewhere, along with another banker, Jonuts. We decided first to make a sort of digital accelerator for the tech entrepreneurs here in the area. And we discovered they don't have enough uh, funding sources, in the, especially in the early stages or seed rounds. And we looked around in the more developed ecosystem and we discovered the ecosystem crowdfunding, it's a, it's a tool that became more and more popular, but we decided to adapt it to the habits and to, to the framework that we have here in the region, and we made a sort of, uh, let's say, micro-angel investing platform, and then we joined the forces with uh, Radu and Carmen, and we developed day by day a different uh, and more developed concept. I actually want to ask a follow-up question to Radu on that front because you said you you started VC, you failed. Many of us have been through that, <laughs> through that <laughs> terrible and long, excruciating <laughs> journey. Uh, many of us are crazy enough to keep on trying, <laughs> but you you've also said something that I that I'm quite curious, which is, and I've realized that actually what I really want to do isn't exactly that. It's what we're doing at Seedlink. So I actually want to want to deep dive on that. You know, guide us through that thought process. What it led you to that realization, and and why is this and not a venture fund? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It it was a very interesting journey in my head uh, in itself. Look, as, as I said, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I'm very involved, you know, emotionally and energetically and everything in a, in developing a company and having customers and everything. Like, 
A VC is a completely different animal. It's more discussing with LPs and discussing with LPs. Is a, it's a way slower process. I'm, I'm a very energetic person. I'm, a, I'm somebody that needs to do things and to see results like r- really quick. As I told you, I, I started 37 uh, companies. I'm, I'm very quick to plug off, you know, things that don't work to understand that they don't work and move on. A VC is kind of a really slow animal. It's a slow process. It's very interesting, very exciting, and I'm ex- really excited that I learned this process and how it works and, and everything. But it's a slow, slow pace kind of a thing. You invest in, you know, two, three companies a, a year as a partner in a fund. Maybe the fund would invest in more. But it's a slow process, and you are not actually involved. It's very much, you know, ties and suit, you know, speaking with LPs, very much reporting in that kind of bureaucratic way. I just realized it's not for me. I, I, I want to be part of something that's way more entrepreneurial and hands-on and something that can actually change the world. So that's part of it. That's the personal part of it. On the vision part, I'm a strong believer that the VCs as we know them today are going to change. The VC model is going to get changed. While a VC is a, at least a 10, 12 years kind of a commitment, I don't want to get involved in a business that I know that's going to get changed and to get involved for the next 12 to 15 years, right? So basically, I'd rather be ahead of the wave and be part of the change and, and drive the change rather than hop on something that is going to be changed, right? And commit my, look, I, I'm, I'm 54 years old, committing my next 15 years of, of my professional career to something that is going to get changed. It sounds, when you when you say it like this, it's, it's already sounds kind of stupid, right? So I, I'm very happy that it failed. And I actually not consider it a failure, but an excellent opportunity to do the right thing. I'd love to dive a bit deeper on exactly... What is it you see VC changing into? If I know exactly the, the answer to this, uh, I'd be in a much better position. <laughs> You'd be racing for that fund. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for, for that, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we do believe that things are changing. And look, Sequoia has their own view on this and they're doing their own kind of evergreen, whatever it is. <laughs> then um, LTSC, you know, the new stock exchange, you know, from San Francisco have their own view on things. Then companies like Robinhood and Etoro kind of come from a different perspective and, and change this. I, I think VCs, at least VCs in Europe, but also the, the, the ones in the US, are way too stagnant, way too big and and slow animals they need to be more distributed more more democratic if i may use this this word and more dynamic you know i don't want to put words in your mouth but i'm guessing that when you're saying it like this uh, just because we have a bunch of feces listening in and i don't want to create animosity where it shouldn't be <laughs> so i just want to double down on because my guess is it's not a critique of VCs as individuals and as investors, it's a critique of the model. 
and there's not even a critique of the model. I, I think that the, the model was amazingly changing the world some 25, 30 years ago and since. And I think the model is still the main driver for great companies, for high growth companies, and it's super cool. I think the only thing I'm saying is that let's try. Maybe we can do things slightly different, slightly better. Maybe next to VCs, there can be some other things. So, yeah, absolutely. Even Sidlink is working together with VCs. Even Sidlink is actually considering helping VCs to raise their own money, as well as creating its own funds to go further and invest as a VC, right, uh, with VC money. Because, I mean, VC has really good things which are towards, you know, very clear thesis, you know, quick to pull the trigger if there is a great company. And there are so many great things in, in VCs and so many good people. And I have so many friends in, in the VC world. We've been dancing a bit around it. Let's make sure that we just have every listener understanding exactly what Seedling is. And I think that in this relation, it might be worth drawing in AngelList and Vauban and Odin and contrasting you to them, because that's, of course, on the front of you know helping angels mostly. And then you have on the other end, the crowdfunding platforms like Cedars and Crowdcube and so on. And where do you fit in this spectrum just to make sure that we have some yardsticks that, that everyone understands? That's a very interesting question. And to be honest, we are still trying to find our way around and we're very dynamic on searching our own who we are. We look at the environment and recognize that on technology, so we are, we are pure technological, so that's one thing, right? And we are pure European. Uh, so in an environment where everything for the last 30 years grew global and we're supposed to be a global earth and everybody be friends and everybody work together, we realize that politically it's not that anymore. And, you know, the China, the Russia, the transatlantic kind of region changed the internet and the technology from a global internet into a lot of regional internets and technologies. And there's a China internet, the Russian internet, and suddenly Europe realized in the last 10, 15 years that they rely too much on the U.S. technology. And there are no unicorns and there's no pure, other than SAP, you know, speaking five years ago, there is no European technology. And the European Union started to push a lot into European technology to happen. And there were a lot of uh, seed money thrown in by EU, you know, Jeremy funds and so on, and a lot of push into growing the pure European uh, technology. And I think that's a, that's a great thesis, and we believe in this. We are trying to help the European tech environment to build and create amazing unicorn, decacorn companies. So we want to be essential part of this process. And that means that we are putting together the angels with their money, uh, their knowledge, their abilities, and their willingness to participate, to help startups in so many ways. And we do work with very knowledgeable angels. We put together on a second part entrepreneurs 
and young companies and not and not so young companies you know great companies that want to change the world that want to change the european environment and need whatever the others can provide as a third pillar we put together you know the vc money and knowledge right so we believe that the environment completely is not only vc and startups it's vc angels and startups so we're training angels to invest as vcs so uh, offering them you know vc grade tools for investment for negotiation to help companies and giving investors so much help around ambassadors basically yeah absolutely the main words are full environment european tech uh, we are in the stage of our journey that yeah as radu mentioned we are also play a role of education or educating helping with educating both the startups and the investors and uh, right now of course we have started from romania now we have strong links to the balkans and southeastern europe and it seems to be a, we are making a sort of pioneering in this part of europe because not even the investors or the angels were used to syndicate between themselves all the startups to become uh, of course at a small extent uh, sort of public companies from the very early stage uh, status and so we are trying to help the both pillars of our ecosystem with making the things work together we should definitely come back to that topic of educating the ecosystem because it's something we ourselves are also quite passionate about to some extent but uh, i'm actually curious andre to ask you something because you said when you introduced yourself and you briefly um talked about seedblink in the beginning of this interview you said how it started and now we just heard radu saying how it is today and it's it's quite a big difference right in two years <laughs> yeah in two years exactly and as one of the founders of seedlink you were you were there on the first day and you really saw this evolution i'd love to hear just a bit of that story of of that thought process how was that process of of, of taking seedlink from what it was as a concept two years ago to where it is today and i'm sure it will continue to evolve a lot but i'm just curious for the story so far going back to our history actually we started with a different company that was called Human Finance it was the digital accelerator i was talking about and in that journey we as former bankers have discovered this lack of both education but also lack of funding sources and then we made the spin off uh, in Seedblink and then uh, Radu and Carmen joined we have first started with a syndication between different actually here with Tech Angels Romania with uh, 26 people it was our first mvp exercise and, and then we started our first public campaign that was back in december 2019 and it went much uh, better than expected being the first it was a partnership with sparking capital actually step by step we developed the concept because uh, we adapted our operational model not having clear legislation here Uh, about crowd investing and syndicate and between angels and the operational model we we have built is quite complicated because we we are registering a new SPV for each campaign each startup but it comes with with the need of the startup they are not able to handle 100 or 200 300 investors in their cap table that's why we have uh, imposed a minimum ticket of 2500 euro per investment Uh, that proved to be and still it is at this moment uh, in place as compared to other platforms 
uh, we, we made this kind of comparison and uh, there, there are two different approaches. The ones that are more, let's say, going to the elite uh, kind of investors and they have minimum ticket of 10,000 euro and they are the, the crowd, the real crowd or the popular platforms with uh, minimum tickets of 10 uh, euro. And we feel that we are in a good position because with this 2,500, to us, the investors that came, to, uh, the early adopters and then the followers, were people that are more, let's say, aware about the risk of investing in startups. And we democratize their access to this kind of investment. And then they learned by doing. And they started by investing one minimum ticket. And we have quite a few investors that exceeded to more for 100,000 euro invested through us. So it was a learning process. They became more picky. Actually, what we liked a lot to this journey, and we made this happen, we helped to build portfolios, which is actually one of our main, let's say, education tools for the investors to have a broad exposure and diversification in their portfolio. That is uh, really happening with our long-lasting investors, and we are very glad that we help them with this kind of uh, approach and education. I think that this is a point that we should just reiterate, because as I tried to describe before, right, we have the crowdfunding platforms on one side, where it's it's a lot of money from a lot of people that don't know much and won't ever be involved with the startup, and then you have AngelList, where you're getting closer to something that's only for angels. And then where I have you guys pecked, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're actually somewhere towards the angels, but you aren't requiring that you are a super sophisticated investor that can put down a lot of money uh, in every deal. What's then interesting is that the way you present the startups uh, on your platform is actually the same way as a crowdfunding platform would do. And I think that that's interesting because many of the syndication platforms or the people working on, on syndication platforms, they haven't developed that part as much as you guys have. And that's, of course, because you guys come from more of a crowdsourcing background when you when you started building what you're building. So I think that that's an interesting combination that you are focusing on angels, but still you're presenting the startups in a way that is just as good as any crowdfunding platform out there. I think that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate what you are saying. And yeah, uh, you're exactly right. So we are right there in between and we're trying, as as we're saying, we're trying to figure out our exact spot. One interesting thing is that we're positioning ourselves as the best co-investor for VCs, right? We're developing our VC network of friends as much as possible. And we're going to VCs and saying, look, guys, you know, we're not a competitor. We are actually your best positioned ally whenever you are investing. And that that's where, you know, good companies are coming to us through our VC uh, network. That's also interesting. That is your sourcing model, basically. If I'm not wrong, you also have the requirement that you don't get on the platform unless you have VC leading the investment. Yeah, absolutely. And we're very easy to follow whatever term sheets are being signed by uh, and negotiated by the lead VC. The only thing that we're not allowed to write off our terms is the follow-on ability, right? The fact that our investors are allowed to follow on. And that's something very interesting because 
we're trying to give our investors, you know, the, the tools that make VCs successful. Now, one of the tools that, you know, the angels don't necessarily understand, the, the younger angels or the less experienced angels, uh, they, they don't really understand that the way VCs make money is through two things. One is through portfolio and statistics. And second is through follow-ons. Because at the end of the day, follow-ons are way de-riskified, if I may say so. Basically, you, you double down on companies that you actually know that it, it's worth it. Now, the problem is that with the companies that you know that it's worth it, nobody is going to allow you to get in there because, you know, everybody knows that there are good companies. Angels will never be able to negotiate these kind of terms, right? And what we're doing, we're negotiating upfront these kind of tools for them. And we actually had quite a few follow-ons right now where companies and, and VCs that are following are coming to us and say, hey, you know, is it possible that you don't invest in the follow-on and everything? And we're saying, look, no, we put that clause, you know, last year there. Uh, I mean, not for the fun of it, <laughs> right? People were actually very, uh, very happy and investors were very happy to invest in, in companies that proved to be good. I'm curious uh, to hear how that works exactly because... When you secure that pro rata right, is that then secured for the syndicate? And then there's a rule governing the syndicate that says that if you put in 10% of the money, then you have the right to 10% of the follow-on chip. Yeah, so so basically it's a, it's a pro rata in the pro rata, mm-hmm. and that's the starting point. And what we do is very interesting is that what the company has the pro rata right to, to invest, let's say, you know, a million in the follow-on, right? So we go to our investors with a tool where we say, tell us what you want to do. You want to buy, you want to sell, or you want to do nothing yeah. in an ideal world. Yeah. And, and then we take all this information and, uh, you know, some, some people, for whatever reasons they want to sell, you know, because they have other opportunities okay. or whatever, and here's their opportunity for the secondary, mm-hmm. for the exit. Uh, some people want to buy more than their pro rata, mm-hmm. and some people want just to, to hold, right? Yeah. So we're doing all this math capped by whatever pro rata yeah. follow-on that, that we have. And, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's actually really happy. Yeah, so you actually have a bit of an auction going inside the syndicate. It's not auction because we do have the price being fixed by the round. What about the secondaries? They can't sell it to other parties inside the syndicate at a premium or a discount. The price is set. Yeah. The price is set and we prioritize the secondary market yeah. and then whatever is left, we're going into follow. Into follow. That, that's the interesting part that the price is set yeah. because you actually know because of the follow-on, you know the price of the round. Yeah. If there is more demand between the existing shareholder in the SPV, then it's a pro rata allocation between them at the set price. That's an interesting model. And that means that one party in the SPV can't go out and sell their share to the VC that would be interested in buying it. Or to their colleagues in yes. the SPV. Ah, but they can't go outside of the SPV, no. I guess. Yeah. Right now, no. Makes sense. It could lead to some <laughs> interesting conversations inside the syndicate. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is an interesting model. It's something that's also why we're bringing you guys on, right? You're doing it differently from most. I'm curious to hear just 
get some volume data. How many deals are you completing? How quickly are you completing them? Where are you? You're born out of Romania, but where are your investments happening? So on. Could you could you give us a rundown there? In two years, uh, we just issued our last year report, annual report. Uh, make it also available to you. It's fresh it's, uh, since last night. <laughs> In two years, of course, the first year was the beginning, and last year it was with more and more engines working. We've raised uh, 38 million euro for 60 startups. I think right now already more than 15% of these startups uh, or 10% are from abroad. Of course, uh, also from the Romanian startups, a part of them, a significant part, are with founders, Romanian founders, but located outside Romania. Out of the 38 million raised, roughly... 40% 40% are coming from our investors, community of investors, and the difference is from the lead investors, from the VC lead, lead investors. Uh, and right now we have a community of more than 9,000 investors with an account with Seedlink. More than half of the investors, the active investors, have invested more than two tickets. So uh, as I told you, uh, first you, you just try it with one and then you start to get uh, on the learning curve and diversify and so on. We have also a maximum limit, not only a minimum ticket, also a maximum ticket for, for the investors in order not to have someone that is making the rules in the SPV. So normally we have 15 to maximum 20% of the amount raised is limited to one shareholder. We do have a completely separate division for the family offices and for the big money. So whoever wants to put more than this uh, 20% in the SPV, then it gets into a different division of, of sibling. And it actually, we get a family office investing, you know, half a million or 200,000 or whatever, directly in the, in the cap table of the startup. And we do have this model where the startup understands that we're getting an SPV for, you know, the, the crowd. But then whenever we're bringing serious money to them, they're going to get into straight in the cap table. And that's how we keep all the interest in the community. As I was saying, you know, the angels, the VCs or family offices or whatever you want to name it and the company. Of course, we started from Romania. Now we are in process to have a footprint in Bulgaria, Greece. Next month, we are going to Czech Republic, Hungary, probably Serbia. So we want to develop on the local basis, this ecosystem. Actually, uh, what is also, I think, it's, is different to Sidling is that there is no active platform in the region as we are trying to, to put on the table or to show to the investors these kind of startups that are coming from Southeastern Europe. There are a few, but very few, that are present on different platforms in UK, maybe some in US, but not as a group. They are just singular cases. So uh, that's interesting because from, from Southeastern Europe, it seems more and more valuable and potential unicorn startups have been raised. And once um, there is more interest and focus on this region, the kindergarten and following the big and successful startups will more and more will raise from this region. That's super interesting. Just before we go to the quick fire round, I think that we should just hear from you guys. Where are you headed? What will Seatbelling be in uh, in three years, four years, five years, both geographic stage, but also uh, number of deals and business model and so on? That's a very interesting question. So we're actively trying to consolidate an European market. We're actively 
looking around to M&A activity on, on one hand to get the full Europe as well as green fields in a few countries, as uh, Andre was saying. So in a, in a few years, A, we want to be fully European, continue to stay tech, and also to be able to expand the ecosystem, not only in the startups, but as well as in the growth and maturity kind of stages of the company. So uh, we, want, we want to really be a complete solution for equity financing for tech European companies. This is between us. Yeah, we just discussed it's work in progress to also to raise some funds that are part of this, let's say, one-stop shop concept that Radu was explaining. One of uh, the funds will be dedicated to the follow-on rounds of our portfolio. One is uh, will be underwriting, will be a sort of underwriting fund, but they will be part of the our ecosystem, not classical funds. So we, we are now setting up the framework for how they will work. On the other side, we are preparing also uh, a trustee model for investing that is dedicated to investors from Western Europe. They are more familiar with this concept. They are investing through uh, big platforms in these models. So right now we are all working and probably in two or three months we'll be ready with such a concept in a specific legislation. Very exciting. Keep us posted. Um, so we're running out of time. So as Andreas said, we always end the episodes with a quick fire round. These are quick answer questions. We try to keep them at 30 to 60 seconds each. Are you guys ready? Ready. <laughs> of course. First question. And uh, I'm going to direct this one to uh, Andre first. And then uh, Radu, please also give your comment after. And the first question is in VC, in venture, generally speaking, what excites you the most that other people don't really feel that excited about? Andre. In VC or in, in the ecosystem, with uh, in working with tech startups, I think the most exciting one is the, let's say, the innovation and uh, opportunity to work with so many interesting and uh, disruptive people that are thinking out of the box. So that's for me. <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, the ability to change the world. I, I mean, yeah. That's a nice <laughs> nice way. Second question, and Radu, let's start on your side here. And I think it's interesting, based on how we started this, <laughs> this interview and the story you shared, what would be your three top tips for emerging VCs who are fundraising their first fund? <laughs> That's a very complicated thing. So the first one and the biggest one is go, go to school, go back to school. VC is not something that you can wing it as you know, entrepreneurship is normally, need, need to go to, to school and really understand how things work in this new business if you haven't been a VC. Uh, second that is, I, I think that there is a little bit of apprenticeship. You, you cannot be an entrepreneur and then just be a partner in a VC, create your own VC. You need to be around and see how things work. I guess this, these are the main two things. Andre, anything you'd like to add to that? I've seen... VC partners that uh, are just showing their superiority to the startups. I would recommend to be more on the same ground and to, to work together to make it happen. What's the most counterintuitive thing you've learned since you started Seedlink? Because I'm coming from banking sector and from big corporation way of doing things, I think the courage is the most important thing for the entrepreneurship. And we ourselves are now entrepreneurs and 
yeah, in order to move things, you, you have to play this role for thinking and to have courage and consistency to make it happen. All the investors are great and we appreciate and we believe that the investors are great and, and smart and everything. Having said this, what I've learned about our angels, our investors, was above and beyond everything that I would have thought. They are so clever people. They are so involved and willing to help the companies. I, I was completely puzzled and amazed by the quality of our angels and investors. I mean, how well they can understand companies, are willing to help the companies, can help the companies. So that, that's what actually shocked me. Super cool. Raro, Andre, thanks a million for joining us today. We are so happy to be shedding light on Seedlink and the way that you're changing the ecosystem coming out of Romania. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The European VC, your podcast for insights into the European VC industry. If you love our show, do drop us a review, share it with your friends, and join our Slack community at theeuropeanvc.com forward slash community. And don't forget, if you would like to suggest topics or guests for future episodes, join our community and help make the best pod for everything European VC. And if you are about to raise a fund or an international round, do let us know and we'll be happy to introduce you to relevant investors.